Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Another week of Penn State football. Dustin, are you ready to go back into the time machine again? One more time. We're inching closer to current times, and we're getting into the 1980s, which I'm curious, I I guess, is it safe to call it the most glorious decade in the history of Penn State football? I, I think it would have to be that, Dustin, but... I'll tell you what's bothering me, though. We've done the 60s, or at least the late 60s. We've done the 70s. We're now going to go into the 80s this week. And I've been giving anecdotes from my time watching in the 60s, 70s, and now the 80s. How much longer till we hit a time period that you remember? Well, I mean, I was born in 1982, so, um, and I remember as a kid, I was actually pretty resistant to Penn State football, um, just counterculture. Like I, I considered myself a Miami fan whenever I was a young kid and I consider myself really briefly a Michigan fan. I think just to stick it to some people. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't follow Penn State super closely until, you know, I, I, I know the 1990s a little bit and then the 2000s is when I really kind of started. Miami and Michigan, oh, listeners, please forgive him. He knows not what he does or says. Anyway, Dustin, before They know that already, s- Jim. They know <laughs> that already. Before we get started, want to remind our listeners that in partnership with Collegiate Athletic Travel, we are offering the opportunity to travel to Auburn for the Penn State-Auburn game in September I'm really excited about it. Dustin and I are scheduled to go after that admission by Dustin. I'm not sure if they're going to let you on the plane, Dustin. Someone who actually rooted for Michigan at one point. I'll vouch for you. Make sure we could get you on the plane. (laughs) And it'll be, it's a charter flight to the game. We're staying at the team hotel. Not really far away, like in Atlanta, where I think a lot of fans will end up because of our charter plane. You get transportation to and from the game, a tailgate party at the stadium, and Dustin and I are even going to do a podcast from down there that you can get on with us, ask your questions, and be part of the show. If you want to know all there is to know about it, all you got to do is go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. All right, Dustin, before we get into the 80s, how about one little news tidbit? Uh, We found out that on Sunday, Penn State got another addition to their 2023 class, a pretty good tight end, decommitted from Michigan, Andrew Rapalia. Uh, this has been kind of in the works for a little bit, Dustin, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think um, uh strikes me as a kid, first and foremost, you know, considering the types of programs that wanted him and considering the, uh, how much Penn State wanted him, seems to be one of those guys who's better than where he's nationally ranked. He's listed by the uh, the 24-7 sports composite as the number 19 tight end, number five player in Massachusetts, and the number 373 player overall. 
Um, I, I, I think he's he's pretty well positioned to exceed those expectations. Uh, for whatever reason, he's not really ranked uh, where I think he should be. Um, and I also felt like, you know, when, when he put it out there that he was flipping to Penn State in his social media, he did, and I can appreciate this, take ownership of the facts that he made the decision too early in the process. And he said something along the lines of, I take responsibility for that. And you know what? I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I think that to, to make that one of the opening sentences of saying like, you know what? I, I kind of made a mistake. Um, I didn't think it through the whole way. Uh, I can appreciate that. And Penn State's been in on him for a long time. Uh, so natural fit, I think, here for, for him to join the class. And, you know, as of right now, is side by side with Mega Barnwell as, as tight ends in this class. But we don't really know yet. And it's speculative about whether Barnwell might end up playing offensive tackle or something. And I think Barnwell might move. I think he actually had some interest to being on the defensive line. And Joey Schlaffer is the only true tight end left, especially with Neo Avery, who could possibly play tight end, but was looking at defensive end. It was a muddled situation. I think at the time Rapalia made his commitment, um, it seemed like a crowded room, and it's not so crowded anymore. We're going to get more of the news. Uh, Eric Lammers will be joining us on our show later in the week, and he's been all over this story, so I'm sure we'll get some more details from him. All right, Dustin, now it's time to turn to the 80s. This is our third show on the decades of Penn State football. We did 60s and 70s, and what's been interesting, we've been getting some great feedback from our listeners, and I even got an email telling us, here's some things that we should be covering, and... um, Yes, we will cover their national champions championships. But Dustin, first of all, first and foremost, I want to just hear your overall view. Again, you were born in 1982, so I know this isn't you're not picking this up from memory, but that you had this week to prepare for our show. What's what's your overall take on this decade? Well, you did see some valleys which we'll touch on and we did start to see Um, the college football landscape continued to change. And that's been the fun part right alongside watching Penn State's history unfold a little bit closer is watching how college football itself evolved and how Penn State right around this time became more and more of a factor with the two national championships in the 1980s. But, you know, this was, this was a a decade and and you've just heard, you know, the, the 1986 season and the 1987 Fiesta Bowl, you know, these are, I don't know. I don't know if I, I. I don't know if there were two bigger sort of iconic, um, you know, moments in Penn State program history than that season and that particular game. Uh, and then going back in 1982, I mean, to to win two national titles in one decade, especially when you watched over the course of you know late 60s and the 70s, having really really good teams who never got the opportunity to compete for national titles. This was a big shift for them to get the chance and then to take advantage of those chances. It definitely has uh, was iconic moments there in the 80s, Dustin, where, as you said, those of us who lived through those unbeaten seasons, 68 and 69 and 73, and then so close in that 78 season, uh, going undefeated, but then losing to Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, that was very tough to take, but this decade finally those national championships came to fruition uh a couple overall statistics here 
the record for the 10, 10 years of the 80s was 89 and 28. So, in other words, they averaged pretty much nine wins a season, even with those couple off years. Four top five finishes, two national championships, five, ten or more win seasons, plus going five and two in bowl games. Not too shabby, eh, Dustin? That is a really good resume, especially when you look at the last few years of the 80s and see how those go. But uh, not only four top five finishes, four top three finishes. So to the two national titles and two other times where I think they finished number three, um, that is a heck of a run no matter what decade you're looking at. It, it really is. Um, and we've alluded to this with the Penn State going in cycles. They never had those um, teams that were number one, two, three type teams five or six years in a row. We talked about it in our 60s show. Paterno took over, had a 5-5 five and five season, 7-3 like and three or something to that effect before having his two unbeaten years. A couple down years before the 73 unbeaten season. A couple down years before they had the 79 or 78 team that played for a national championship. And the 80s pretty much went that same way. You had... Um, after that 79 season was the beginning of the cycle, 8-4, and four, but then you had a couple 10-2 and two seasons before the national championship in 82, down in 83 and 84, even bottoming out at 6-5, and five. and I could just tell you from memory, Dusty, we weren't used to losing five games in a season before they perked back up, grade 85 and 86, before the down cycle again. So that was a real trade of a Joe Paterno's era. And and really, I mean, if you look at the way that they were building and they, it was so um, localized and so, um, you know, Pennsylvania heavy and Ohio and, and that tight mid-Atlantic region, you know, you're going to build and you're going to have guys practice and learn and develop behind the scenes. And you're going to have clusters of players that come through that mean a great deal. And those players move on. And then you're, the whole personality and fiber of your team changes. You get a little bit younger. Um, that's just kind of the, the natural progression of things. And I think even to this day, there's a lot of programs that, that still operate that way where they have to cycle up every three, four years and then build, 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 build to get back to that place again. I think it was probably pretty commonplace in the eighties and they, you know, they, they, they built. And I think, I, I don't know, as a fan following along at that time, if five losses felt like the end of the world or not, if you're able to see the big picture, but um, that's one thing, you know, college football fan bases aren't the most patient group in the world. The game was a little different back then, Dusty, in that there wasn't, I think, that same pressure where the coaches were signing six, seven, eight, ten million dollar contracts to win now. And that the other part to this is now, and James Franklin is part of this too, where it's kind of a three-year cycle with players. You know, forget um, five years with your red shirt. You're not even getting four years from players. That's not how it was back in the 80s. So you could take a group of young players and build with them. Yeah, imagine that concept. And now look, look how tight that cycle is going to get now. You know, now that free agency is officially here in college athletics and college football, 
how that cycle, when we look back at this phase, when we have a little chance to let this develop and be able to look back on it, this era that we're in right now is going to be the most radical era of all time. Um, it couldn't be further from how things developed back then, where every red shirt was used. Every guy, for the most part, stayed until the their, the duration of their eligibility was up. Now it's a whole different world out there. And uh, credit to our listener. I, I can't remember um, the, the name, but uh, talked about in the early 80s, the, the red shirt rule uh, coming up and players being able to red shirt and how Joe Paterno was automatic in using that for his freshman, which we all kind of, it's been sort of a running thing um, as we look back on Paterno's year. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I'm seeing if I could find the email from our listener. I'll give them a shout out as we start our next segment. And when we do go to segment number two, we'll start to get into the details of the seasons because I know there's some moments that us older fans remember and we treasure. And we're going to try to get to as many of them as we can. Stick around. We'll be back for quarter number two. Attention Penn State alumni, trustees Ted Brown, Bill Oldsey, and Barbara Duran need your support. Your alumni trustees have fought to debunk the free report and to honor Joe and Sue Paterno. And they led the charge on an unprecedented tuition freeze, saving students and their families thousands. Independent leadership for a better Penn State. Vote to re-elect alumni trustees Ted Brown, Bill Oldsey, and Barbara Duran. Voting begins Sunday, April 10th. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu. There's nothing better than following your favorite team on the road. Thanks to Collegiate Athletic Travel, you can get your chance this fall as the Nittany Lions fly south to face the Auburn Tigers. Take a non-stop charter flight from Harrisburg. Accommodation included. Not two hours away in Atlanta, but at the team hotel. Transportation to and from the game is also included, as well as a tailgate party at the stadium. Go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414 for all the information. 